Another great edition of that sports show. Not this sports show, not any other sports show. It is that sports show, which makes me your humble host, Jeremy the Impact York from Impact Media. This is our weekly dive into uh, practically every sport that's not hockey, wrestling, or MMA. There's a good chance that we'll hit on it, especially if it's in the Atlanta area. We're obviously going uh, to dive into things like the Falcons. We're going to dive into the Braves. We're going to talk some uh, some other stuff as well. F1 and NASCAR. You guys reminded me I didn't talk NASCAR and I didn't talk F1 last week. So I will definitely have to do that here shortly. But first, as always, if you would like to uh, find the show or find our other shows, anywhere you find a podcast, just look for Board Check. You can look for Strong Style. You can look for That Sports Show, Impact Media, Jeremy York, any of that. It all should come up, whether you do that on Facebook, anywhere you find a podcast, as I said, um, at Team Impact Media. On Twitter, we'll find nothing but the shows. That's all we post on that account is nothing but the shows. You can also find me at The Impact 99 on practically any social media. If you cannot find the show or myself on any of those platforms that you so regularly use, let me know. We'll get them put on there. And, of course, if you would like to email the show, because, hey, some of you have done that, and I very much appreciate it, and I do my best to respond to every one of them. Who am I kidding? I respond to every one of them, and it is me. But I am, uh, let's see, 3endzone at gmail.com. That is the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E, at gmail.com. Let's get into it, right? Let's get into it. We got football tonight. We got football tonight. Well, they're trying to play. It's the Jaguars and the Raiders for the Hall of Fame game. They are currently in a weather delay. I saw that earlier. Uh, it looked pretty, pretty intense, too. There was some lightning, which the, the pro rule or the, uh, the college rule as well, it, and, and into high school. I think it's a sport, general sports rule in general. If you, if you, uh, if there's a lightning strike within so many miles of the stadium, it is a minimum 30 minutes from the last strike before you can commence any sort of activities. So hopefully everybody has taken shelter. Hopefully everybody's doing good there. Uh, hopefully they get this game going because it just it's fun to have football back. You guys know that, right? It's just fun to have football back. The NFL is back. This is the first game. You'll have a handful of games in the next three weeks. And then we're playing actual games that count. Because all the preseason is now is a great showcase for people who probably will not see much of the field later on. Not going to see a lot of starters play. But uh, good for these guys that they're able to showcase their skills somewhere. But let's keep it in the NFL, right? Let's keep it in the NFL. Let's go ahead and talk some Atlanta Falcons. What do we know since last week? Well, I already told you they named 
Marcus Mariota as their starter. That makes sense. Who else were they going to do? We talked about the team. We talked about uh, the the pass rush is something they're going to have to work on. I don't. I'm not in camp, so I don't know what uh, sort of schemes and things they're going to try to run. Okay, I was going to try to use an app to look up things, and it looks like uh, it is wanting to update instead so we will do that a different way but the Falcons here's something to remember whether the Falcons go 0 and 3 1 and 2 2 and 1 or 3 and 0 in preseason it matters the same it is like votes on American Idol that's a whole nother podcast if you guys want to listen to that uh, I probably would put that behind a paywall because uh, if you want to listen to it that bad I, I would probably charge you and then send all the money to a charity or something but we know they have some games coming up uh, they play the Lions next week that game is in Detroit I believe that is Friday let's see who else do they have the Falcons also have they will also play Next uh, Monday, August twenty second, against the Jets, and then at some point they gotta have a home game, right? They gotta have a home game. They not there we go, and then the following Saturday, the twenty seventh, they will play the Jaguars at home on a Saturday at three. Hmm, that's a curious time. That'd be a fun time to go to a game. Preseason, it look it's one of those if uh, if it is out of your budget or or Sundays don't particularly work into your time schedule. Hey, we get it. We all have busy activities. We all have things we like to do, and sometimes they fall on Sundays. If you want to go to a game or be able to take the family to a game, the preseason is the way to go. First off, just price wise. Second of all, it's not as crowded. It's usually easier to uh, find some tickets. And third of all. For the most part, you can sit about anywhere you want to because it's pretty wide open. I went to a game a couple years ago, and uh, I think this was at the Dome still, which tells you how long ago it was. But um, after the first quarter, I started wandering around the stadium and ended up with my feet on the wall. I don't know if I was supposed to. My feet on the wall as I was in the front row uh, right behind one of the goalposts. That's when they were playing the Ravens because when Matt Schaub was back. Ended up getting one of his wristbands, actually. He tossed it right in the crowd. That was pretty cool. Still have it. It's somewhere around here. I need to get it. Get him to sign it or something. But preseason is the way to go. If you're wanting to see a game, it's it's the most cost-effective way to do so. And, uh, look, there's a lot of Fridays and Saturdays where, well, there's if you're a Falcons fan, that Saturday game is, is pretty much it. And then they're going to open the season on Sunday, September 11th. Expect some uh, some pregame festivities there, memorials and things. Uh, they are going to open up in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That is a Fox 1 o'clock kickoff game against the Saints. And the Saints are only a 5.5-point favorite. That's going to be a good game. That's definitely going to be a good game. Um, Check that out. Falcons fans, there, there are things to be excited for. Did I say that you guys are probably going to win seven or eight games? Yes. Could I be dead wrong? Absolutely. Could I be right? Sure. But we don't know 
until the games get played. We don't know. There's just no way to know. And I told you guys some of the things to watch out for. You never know. Maybe this defense, maybe this defense really reaches out there and grabs it, you know? But uh, I'm excited. I'm actually excited for this Falcons year. I want to see, for one, I want to see Mariota. I've always liked Marcus Mariota. I uh, always uh, hoped he got a fair shake of things. It seems like he's getting one now as well. He got one with the Raiders. I will give him that. Uh, Tennessee, I don't know. It, 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 anybody that has Jeff Fisher as their coach, it's, it's hard for me to uh, side with them on that. But let's see. What are we going to move on to? Um, how about the Debo Samuel deal? Because DK Metcalf got his money. Now Debo Samuel is going to get his. It is looking like a three-year extension worth somewhere north of $73.5 million or so. Uh, fantastic deal. A lot of the incentives of this deal. Remember the Kyler Murray crap where they had the clauses about he could unlock other bonuses and things like that. Plus he was required to do so much film study per week. Uh, it had to be four hours. That tells you everything they think about the player. Well, in this one, remember he said that he's not even sure he wants to play in the state of California. Okay. And he also says, well, I really want to be a receiver. I don't want to really be a running back as much as they were using me as, a, as an all-purpose back last year. Okay, that's fine. And the 49ers put a ton of incentives based on his running production. Based on his running production. So they basically said, that's fine. You can be you, and you can just be a receiver. But if you let us do some run game things and other things with you, then you're going to get these other bonuses. It's uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I remember D. Hopkins and um, I'll, he is the seventh wide out this offseason to sign a deal worth at least $24 million a year. Wideouts are getting paid. And this is definitely going to help Trey Lance. Because now we know who at least one of the weapons around. I mean, we know the other weapons around him as well. But this has got to make him feel better because between him and George Kittle are probably his security blankets, as they should be. So we will see how this deal shakes out. But at the current moment, good for them, and we will see if they will free up a little bit of money and move Garoppolo along. We have no idea where he could go. At this point, I'm not sure there's anywhere to go. All right, so there are... Okay, so I will... Let's just start with Deshaun Watson, because not many more times will you hear that name on this podcast. Because once this is over and done with, I'm not going to mention him. I think that less of him. And uh, the fact that he 
might skirt free of this just just irks me to no end. But Sean Watson, the judge in the case, rules and says six games. Okay, I don't fault her because based off the things she tells us that she based them on, I, I, I see where the six games comes in. Okay, I, I will I will accept that. As far as as far as what she said, now the NFL Player Association they pretty much knew it was going to be six games, right at six games. So they said, oh, we're not going to appeal that. Of course not. They're good with six games. Watson's good with six games. Everybody's good with six games. The league said, "Au contraire, mon frère." French for hold up. I'm paraphrasing. They said we absolutely. They had like a two or three day window to appeal. They 1,000% didn't waste a lot of time in saying we're appealing. Here's the fun part. When this gets appealed, unless I am mistaken, which is possible, unless this gets appealed, I mean, unless this, I mean, it, when this gets appealed, which it is, it gets appealed, not back to the judge. Nope. This gets appealed to Roger Goodell. So, and it seems like the league has already let it be known, too, that they are looking for an indefinite suspension of at least a season. I said calendar year, but I'll take season. At least a season and a quite large, it's going to be a quite large fine. I have it on pretty good authority. That's probably about $10 million. Why is it that particular number? That's not a random number. That number is the amount of money the Houston Texans paid him last year. So in them recoup, in the league recouping, not the, eh, well, the league gives payroll money to the teams. It's this big, weird water cycle type thing. So in turn, the league would be recouping some of their own money. And in doing so, it pretty much washes out last year. Instead of it being a paid vacation for him, it ends up being uh, kind of more of a suspension. He'll basically get a two-year suspension, which is very close to what baseball did to Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer did some despicable things as well. Look those up. I'm not getting into those. But in the end, I, th I think they're going to end up with a year and a, and a sizable fine. I don't know if they get up to $10 million. And here's... Here's the complaint I get from, from a lot of you guys, and it's totally fine. You guys can always come at me with your opinions. Nobody's opinions are technically wrong, including my own. Uh, but it's a healthy discussion to talk about these things. You guys, or a handful of you guys, said, yeah, but he already sat out last year. Yes, but he sat out last year long before this was a thing. He sat out last year because he told the Texans, I am not playing another down of football for you. You need to trade me. And they said, okay, well, in order to trade you, you, uh, you go ahead and go home and be away from the team. No reason for you to even be here. We're going to continue to do things without you. In fact, we're going to pay your salary. That's how he got a $10 million for. And they tried to trade him. They had a done deal with the Dolphins. Done deal. All they got to do is cross some T's, dot some I's, and probably a physical. And there's nothing wrong with Deshaun Watson currently, nor then. This thing was going to be a done deal. More of a done deal than the thing I'm going to talk about next. And then the first the first woman come forward. 
And so Dolphin said, okay, let's think about it. Let's, let's hold up a second. Let's, let's see what happens here. And then the second case, and the third, the fifth, and the ninth, and the twelfth, and the, and the twenty-fourth, and what we ended up with, thirty-three different women? Is, is that what it went? Uh, if not, correct me if I'm wrong. But even if it's twenty-four, even if it's one, I've said this before, even one is terribly wrong. But the fact that there's multiple up in the twenties and thirties is beyond despicable. Word I'm going to use, despicable and not in the cute minion way. Not in the guru way, no. Fan of those guys, not a fan of this guy. So, like I said, he was sitting out because he was basically protesting that he was not going to play for the Houston Texans. Houston Texans said, that's fine, you stay home, we'll continue to pay you, we're going to trade you. This is a done deal. Then the cases start coming out. The Dolphins, at one point, this was their last their last bite at the apple, so to say, up, up to this point. They said, if you will settle, at the time, 24 cases, I think those were the official ones, with Tony Busby involved in all that. If you settle those cases and get them clear, cleared away, clear the deck, we can go through this trade. We'll do it right now. That's that's the only thing holding it up now, that everything else was in place. And instead, Deshaun said, no, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to prove my innocence. I'm going to do You know what he said. And let's just hit on that real quick. Um, if a couple people come out, Okay, maybe there's a slight conspiracy. A bunch of people come out. Okay, when over 20 different women come forward, they're not all lying. There's no way they're all making this up. There's no way. Just law of averages says that. And I tend to believe that most of them, if not all of them, are not making this up at all. So, we're to the point where he doesn't settle the cases, so the Dolphins say, no dice. I'm, I'm out. I'm out for now. Kind of like Shark Tank, I'm out. So, Houston's back to kind of square one. So that's fine. Houston's back to square one. And while they're at square one, all the rest of this develops. And then as it gets to the ultimate level, where now we know how many official cases are, we know that the court said there's no criminal things involved, this is all going to be done in the civil court, which uh, is mostly settlements, which is what almost all of them are now. I think they're down to two cases that have not been settled, two or one, something like that. But they've all the rest of them have been settled. So eventually, before right before all this, Watson officially gets traded to the Browns because Jimmy Haslam is, yeah, he's up there with Despicable himself. Check out his gas stations if you don't believe me there. And so now he's a Brown. And there's a clause in his contract that says that the only massages he can get are through uh, through the team uh, people or whatever, which is probably accurate. So ultimately, this brings us to this case, where it brings us to this exact moment. This exact moment where... Six games are put forward by the judge. The NFL is going as the league is going to appeal it. 
and as they appeal it, it will go to Roger Goodell, who uh, will more than likely say indefinite, if not at least a year, it's going to be a $10 million fine, and the Player Association will potentially take this to court. They could sue, countersue, whatever it is. So we're not done with it yet. But as of right now, he can play in the preseason, and then he has to get away from the team because as as soon as the last preseason game is played, he, he would be officially suspended for those six games up until right now. Uh, this is going to be resolved in the next couple of weeks, probably the next week. A Friday news dump sounds like a great thing to do, although if you're the league, I would do this bright and early on a Monday. But that's the Watson right now. Like I said, I, I wish it was a year, but that is every bit of information that I know up to this point about it and what's probably going to happen. Everybody seems to think it's going to be moved up to 8, 10, 12 games. I, I think it's a year. I think it's a year. And he's only going to make a million this year, so let's let's not, you know, let's not let's not cry for cry a river, all right? Last thing, because the NFL, I would love to talk about the action, but once again, we're still in weather delay, and it would only be the Hall of Fame game anyway, and the NFL is not only a 24-7, 365 league, but when there's not a lot of action on the field, that's when we hear about the things going on off the field. The Miami Dolphins have been docked a first-round pick and a third-round pick. That is the first-round pick next year, 2023, and the third-round pick is in 2024. I have heard on multiple shows, um, only about a third of you, I think, have this correct. The, the other two-thirds of you, think, think about it. Think about it. The unofficial reason for this was the tampering where they tried to set up hiring uh, basically Tom Brady to be the quarterback and part owner and Sean Payton as the head coach. We know the story behind that. We, we know about all that particular thing up to there. Um, if you think this, is, this penalty is about tampering, you need to pay attention. It is not. Misdirection stand. It is one of my favorite quotes. I tell you guys that all the time on the show. Misdirection stand. Think of a magician. I want you to, I'm going to make a lot of crazy motions with my right hand because I don't want you to see what my left hand is doing. Not all magicians do this. Some are really, really good, but it's the same basic concept. Think about a distraction. You're trying. You're playing a video game and you're trying to sneak past the guard. Maybe it's Five Nights at Freddy's. I don't know. That sounds like a good example. Five Nights at Freddy's are trying to get around the cameras and get around the security guard and so you throw a firecracker down a hallway that makes him run the opposite direction so that you can run past him. That is what this is. This is not for tampering whatsoever. This is about the Brian Flores case and lawsuit and this is about paying for losses. This is what it is. They investigated into that and while they said they may have concluded unofficially, I'm doing air quotes for everybody who can't see me see his podcast you can't this is about that they did enough investigation to find out that their owner did something and they're not going to release it because they look really really bad if it does and their partners their gambling partners it's going to cause a big problem between them if their gambling partners go wait a minute if you, if you can prove that this guy was paying for losses then we got to consider that any loss might have been on purpose and we got to give people their money back we don't want to do that this messes up the integrity of the game 
this is why this is why they unofficially said oh this is about tampering it is not about tampering it is about the Flores case so you guys continue to think what you want this this has nothing to do with tampering not one bit this is about the owner was it Steven Ross trying to pay trying I can't prove I don't know the, all the information in that I didn't do the investigation I cannot prove that Brian Flores took said money or took any sort of incentive to lose on purpose but the thing was that Stephen Ross said I'll give you what was a hundred grand ten grand I think it was a hundred grand per loss because well to start with he wanted Tua after Tua hurt his hip he wanted Joe Burrow after he couldn't get Joe Burrow he wanted Justin Herbert Brian Flores and the coaching staff potentially the GM took Tua Tagovailoa I think the kid's going to be okay. I think Tua's going to be pretty good, but you could have had Justin Herbert. Just saying. I think I believe in Tua. Miami fans have had that discussion too. Believe in Tua, but your penalty—the reason why you'll not have—you're uh, supposed to have two first-round picks next year. This one takes your first-round pick, which means if it's yours, and not based on what anybody else does, just based on just your record, you might as well go out and win a ton of games now. Because if you lose a bunch of games. It's not going to matter. The pick's not going to help you because you're not going to get that first-round pick. And the third-round pick, you get so many comp compensatory for those anyway. Whatever. The, the first and third, they love to do. But once again, it's about the Flores case. It's about the potential paying him for losses by Stephen Ross. That is what this is about because Stephen Ross has also been suspended for six games as an owner, which means he is not allowed in the owner box for those six games. But that round that rounds out the uh, wonderful world of the NFL and the things going on in it. Is that not, yeah, so much negative in which so much positive is on the way. But let's take a break. Let's hear from our friends at BetOnline.net. Uh, you're you're one of the best sources for news and update and places to place wagers when you are uh, legally allowed to do so where you are. Always check on that. Uh, but they also have podcasts and information. They do so much of the work for you. But let's hear a little bit more about them now. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. This is Jeremy the Impact York from Board Check, That Sports Show, and Strong Style. Betonline.net is your number one source for all betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back here on That Sports Show. Remember to visit our friends at BetOnline.net. They have all the amazing, do all the work for you. You can go on there and find out information from podcasts and stories and news articles 
and have places to wager and see the odds and uh, just have so much fun. Go to betonline.net. Go check them out. Now, let's uh, let's go into baseball. And we'll start with a somber note. You know, last week's show, we were able to talk about uh, the passing of Bill Russell, which was unfortunate. And then a couple days ago, we get another gut punch. Dodgers and media world great Vince Scully passed away. Uh, he famously has called, I think he called some San Francisco games, 49er games over the years. He's called so much in the Bay Area. He is just an absolute institution, uh, just just an incredible human being. Uh, so many great stories. Everybody loves this guy. I don't think anybody ever said a crossword about him. And the world uh, is, is a, a slightly sadder place without Vince Scully, but uh, we can carry on in his memory, and we can remember all the great things that Vince Scully did. And so thoughts, prayers, and condolences to, to uh, the Scully family and all the friends and, and everybody. Uh, just a uh, terrible loss. Now, let's talk some Atlanta Braves. What have the Braves done recently? Well, they've done a lot. There has uh, there's been some fun trades that have involved them. Uh, they were able to pick up uh, Odorizzi and uh, some other people that uh, are going to be fun. They were able to get rid of uh, Will Smith, who you guys are against for some reason anyway. Well, there you go. You know, there we go. Let's go to transactions. But they were able to uh, to make some pretty good moves. They didn't have to be as aggressive as they were last year. Yeah, they got Jake Odorizzi from Houston in exchange for Will Smith. They traded Chris Angling, Anglin to Detroit for left fielder Robbie Grossman. He is going to be the Adam Duvall replacement for now. They... Um, they got infielder, uh, uh, is it Ehir, Adrianza? But they got him from Washington uh, for outfielder Trey Harris. They designated Robinson Cano for assignment. At, at the match are still paying him anyway, so don't feel too bad for Cano, but it's all but over for uh, Robinson, I think, at this point. And they agreed to terms on Monday on a 10-year contract with Austin Riley that I think he's going to make right at 21 and a half if not 22 million a year for the next on average for the next 10 years think of the core that they have locked up they've got Ozzy Albies who took a team friendly deal they've got Ronald Acuna who will come around his battle come around we know that he took a team friendly deal they've got Austin Riley locked up they've got Matt Olson locked up that is a heck of a core and I haven't even gotten to uh, the Max Freeds, the Spencer Striders, the uh, just—I mean, there's there's so many, so many stars on this team that they that uh, they have such a nucleus of a lot of young stars. The Riley extension, as good as it is, it only brings the biggest elephant in the room to front and center. What do you do with Dansby Swanson? I think I got to agree with you guys that he's got to be the next extension, the next big contract. 
but they're holding off for some reason. So I don't know if talks have stalled or if they're even talking at all. And, and maybe maybe they're looking at having him walk. Maybe they're going to trade him. I don't know what they're going to do. But I feel like they're going to try to keep him around. We will see what happens with that. Yeah, here it is. The uh, the Ian Andersons, the Max Freeds. Um, those guys are under 30. Some of the other guys are under 30. Uh, Matzik's just over 30. He's 31. Uh, A.J. Minter, Spencer Strider's only 23, Kyle Wright's only 26, I mean, just, holy crap, this, this team is loaded, and as you guys know, even as a Mets fan, I feel great about my Mets team, especially this year, the thing I'm, I'm, I'm slightly looking over my shoulder about is, this Braves team is good enough to beat the Mets, they're good enough to beat the Yankees, they're good enough to beat the Dodgers, the Astros, uh, insert, insert team here. You know, they're good enough to win this and go back to back. And as somebody who grew up in the Atlanta area, I've always said when my teams don't win, I love the fact that the Braves do well. So if my Mets do not, cannot, or end up not winning this year, if it's the Braves again, I feel great because I have so many friends and family, including a lot of you guys, who uh, just, you guys are such great fans that you deserve the win. So we'll see what happens. We've only got a couple weeks left of the season, a couple more weeks going. The Mets and Braves are currently in, are they in it? Did the series start? The series started, yeah. It is currently 5-3 to three Mets in the bottom of the fifth with two outs, according to uh, producer Sassy. So, Sassy, we appreciate that. And uh, that is currently what is going on with that. But, hey, you know what? Like I said, if Mets can't win, go Braves. Go Braves. I've seen so much magic in this city based off that franchise that uh, uh, the world is by far a better place because of the Atlanta Braves and uh, the, the dealings of, of Snicker and Anthopolis. Absolutely so. Uh, yeah, let's go Atlanta United, right? Let's go Atlanta United. Uh, can't be doom and gloom because, hey, they, they did get the, the draw. They got the point up in Chicago. They, they played okay. There, there, was, there was some moments that, that you're like, hey, okay, some, some things are falling in place. And then there were uh, the fact that it was a nil-nil draw to a Chicago team that had come in winning three straight, but on paper and on the field, you're, you're better than that Chicago team. Right now, you're two points out of a playoff spot, but there are five teams between you and that playoff spot, or three points, maybe you're three points now. But either way, and there are like 12 games to go. I would imagine you would need to win at least six or seven of them and throw in a couple draws in there to be anywhere close. Now, their next game is this weekend. It is Saturday at 3. It is on ESPN. Oh, no, that's on ABC. That's an ABC game where they're going to welcome in Seattle. I will be in attendance. Um, a lot of you guys will be in attendance. Hey, hit me up early. If you guys see me, I am not hard to find at these things. Find me. Would love to uh, chat with you guys, take pictures, all the things you guys ask me about. Would love to meet you guys, and uh, we don't have to talk soccer. We can talk anything. But, like I said, they 
I think they have six home games and six away games, and I, I very much think they need to win at least six or seven of those and probably have a couple draws to make this work. Um, I feel good about it. I feel like they have the potential to do that, and I feel like there is going to be a roster churn unlike any other at the end of this year. And we're going to see the Pineda guys that stick around, and we're going to see the non-Pineda guys find new homes. And I think they will go after another striker to add to this mix. I don't know if they will extend. I think Cisneros, he goes all the way to December, his extension. Um, I don't know if they keep him around or not. He has done well, but I think they, uh, if they keep Dwyer, I feel like they'll go a different direction with Cisneros. But we'll, we'll see. And we're going to see. I, I think there is a, a potential DP on the team that you may see either uh, bought down if they can to open up a spot or they will potentially move it and it's probably not one that you would expect I don't have any inside information I'm basing that off things I hear but uh, I, I feel like I said I feel good about Atlanta and the things that they can do so we'll see Get the big game this weekend, and then uh, and then they'll be up in Cincinnati the week after, and then the uh, a week from Wednesday, I think a week from Wednesday. Am I looking at the right calendar? Yes, a week from Wednesday they will be back home versus the Red Bulls. Uh, should be a good matchup. Should be a good matchup. But uh, let's go to Formula One. Formula One has had some fun, entertaining things going on recently. Uh, of course, they have the Rolex Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, they're in the summer break right now, so they will not race again until August 26th. That is the, the Rolex Belgian Grand Prix. I wonder if you want to watch if you win. That would be fantastic. If so, I may try to enter that race because that would be a great prize. Uh, but let's go back to the Lenovo French Grand Prix, which is a couple weeks ago. Um, everything was going pretty good uh, for, you know, Verstappen, Sainz, Leclerc, Hamilton, and Perez. All the main was George Russell. They were all towards the top of the of the practices and things like that. And then it got to the final. And what uh what what kind of baffled me as we're pulling it up here? Uh, not that Max Verstappen won. He he was able to take the lead over, and usually when he takes the lead, you usually uh, do not get it back. There we go. Verstappen, of course, Red Bull is Red Bull teammate Perez. Uh, how about the fact that that uh, Sainz had to save it for Ferrari? They had, they legitimately had a podium finish. They they were in third place with 10, 11 laps to go, 12 laps, and all of a sudden they and he is battling it out um, in third place. I can't remember if he was battling with the fourth place guy or the second place guy. 
But he is, I think he was, maybe he was in fourth. He was battling for third, right around the third place area. And his radio calls in and says, hey, we want to swap the tires out. Uh, come on, come on in and uh, come into the pit. And he's like, do you, do you not see me battling? Not see, I, there's no, I don't need to come in right now. Because here's the thing. In F1, there are three types of tires. There are soft, there are medium, and there are hard. Most of the time you get mediums or hards based off these tracks. You occasionally will get soft that will help you in different things. But I think at this point he had his mediums on, and they said we want to put hard ones on, which take a while to warm up. Once again, we are 10 laps from the, the end. They take a little while to, to uh, warm up, but once they do, man, they are fire. They are straight fire. Um, and oddly enough, Signs actually had the top lap time of the day at 135.78. But, um, so he finally relents, and he finally comes in, and that drops him all the way to 8th. Because in F1, you can time things out. You can try to get back in uh, based off your pit stops. Because pit stops are only like 20 seconds, and that's pull in, stop, pull out. really is. Um, but he was able to battle back into 5th. That only tells you that if he would have had more time, he would have probably been a lot further up. And that was actually his second pit, where almost majority of the top, the other top 12 drivers only stopped once. Yeah. And I know what you're saying. Well, what about Leclerc, who is also one of the best drivers in this in this uh, league? Well, Leclerc spun himself out on turn number one as he was leading the race, spun himself out and went... Uh, barreling into the tire wall. Now he's okay. He's fine. He raced again this past weekend, but uh, he, he just completely took himself out. He ended up um, not finishing the race, and he was in uh, next to last. Just uh, completely took himself out. Um, this year, as good a team as Ferrari is, they are just trying to outthink the room, and they have found themselves in all kinds of issues and trouble. Not, not like bad trouble, like, oh, you're in trouble. It's just they have just found themselves in some just not good places. So uh, it's, uh, it's allowed actually Mercedes, who has had back-to-back -back double podiums, as uh, this week it was Hamilton second, Russell third, and I believe it was the same again this week. It's allowed them in the Constructors' Championship, which is like the team event, to move uh, really close to Ferrari in second. Of course, Red Bull is just flying away from people because Max Verstappen and uh, and uh, Perez, his teammate, are just point machines. But that was the Lenovo French GP. Great for Team Red Bull, great for Verstappen, who uh, just, once again, if he gets a lead very, very often late in the in the race, if he gets a lead, you're not going to pass him, and in this case, you didn't. Um, shout out to Alonzo for the Alpine team, who uh, ended up in sixth, and Acano uh, and I forgot that guy's name, but uh, the McLaren driver ended up in uh, seventh there. Aston Martin with a, a good, good finish as well. Um, after Lenovo was, of course, the Aremco Hungarian Grand Prix. Once again, really good race. Uh, NASCAR fans, you guys should definitely check out F1. It is a lot more, it's definitely the road course style stuff, like 
like they're doing, but they're in uh, uh, more indie style open race cars, and uh, it's it's fantastic action. Now in this one, the tenth place, the guy who started in tenth place, and actually spun himself out and did a complete 360 on the track, ends up winning the race. You guys are thinking that's amazing, and it is, except for the fact, well, not except, but uh, it has a lot to do with it. It's Max Verstappen, and honestly, he wouldn't have had this opportunity, except that Team Ferrari screws himself out of another big day. They end up in fourth and sixth because they try to outthink the room. They uh, they make pit stops at the wrong time. They they call in their drivers to swap tires when there was no need to. It just I don't know what Ferrari's doing. Now for those that are kind of new to F1, Ferrari's a great team. Uh, there's a, uh, there's ten teams. Everybody has two people per team. Uh, Mercedes is a really good team. Their history is kind of crazy and all over the place. They have two of the the more fan friendly and popular drivers in uh, Lewis Hamilton and um, George Russell. Max Verstappen is is very popular as well, and Sainz and Perez the clerk. Uh, there's a lot of them. It just depends on, you know, go, there's uh, there's all kinds of ways you can pick a team if you want, or just watch. Maybe pick your favorite driver that way. But, uh, so for the second week in a row, it goes Verstappen, who is Red Bull, and then Mercedes, Mercedes, as Hamilton and Russell finish out there. Great for them. Fastest lap was actually Lewis Hamilton with 121.38. He was flying on that lap. That was about three from the end, I think. And I, it's one of those, he finished seven seconds behind Verstappen. But Verstappen was uh, kind of coasting through the last lap. But if this thing was about probably two or three laps longer than it was, uh, Hamilton might have pulled ahead. And Hamilton is like the, the almost the goat of F1. He's had such an incredible run. Uh, Throughout his career, he won a lot in previous years. Go look it up. He, he basically is one of the greatest of all time in F1. So uh, it's fantastic to see him back on a double podium like this, to have George Russell, who started in pole position here, uh, was able to hang on for the third place there. He was only five seconds behind Hamilton. This is another great race. It just F1 is so much fun to watch. Like I said, NASCAR fans, I think you guys would enjoy it. It just come on early on Sunday morning sometimes here in the states usually about 9 a.m. or so is when most of them are but they're totally worth it or use a dvr that's the easiest way to do it that way when you come back from from whatever your activities are or if you just decide to sleep in on a sunday you wake up you hit play you watch it it's great um what was i was gonna it's nice to see the alpine team go eight nine um, McLaren got up in there again at seven, because actually only seven uh, racers finished in, uh, on the lead lap. That's that's how fast the top guys were going. But uh, super, super fun series, super great. Um, you guys check out F1, and um, and actually for even more talk about the world of racing uh there's a really cool podcast that some friends of mine do called track talk if you want to look that up uh bryce and matt matt is actually in the industry 
Uh, if you listen to them, you'll find out they uh, they break down even more than NASCAR and F1, and it's uh, some great stuff. Let's go to NASCAR. Before we talk about this week, let's talk about uh, the last two weeks. Let's talk about Pocono. And we have to talk about Pocono for a lot of reasons. Uh, solid race, dominated by the Toyotas. And being dominated by the Toyotas, now uh, I have to get into the weird part. So Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin finished this race 1-2. And then the post-race inspection happens. And they both fail. They have some illegal, we could call it residue, but it's more like an uh, en enhancer. Because that, that's what it is. It's, I, I've heard everything from tape to Bondo, and uh, all of those are illegal to be under the wrap on the nose of the car where they were. I do not blame the drivers. They're not the ones who put said things there. Um, and it sucks because they got DQ'd. This is the first time in 60 years that the winner of a race was DQ'd. And yeah, I'm a little miffed, a little more miffed than usual about it because those are my two drivers. But I'm more miffed about it because the third place car, who now is the first place car, is the squeaky wheel, as I call him, Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott is a great racer who tends to whine about everything, and it's always somebody else's fault. He is second generation, as his dad, Bill Elliott, is Awesome Bill from Dawsonville. I have friends in, in, that live in Dawsonville, and they probably get mad at me every time I say it, but uh, as good a racer as he is, the whining gets me. Uh, it ended up being Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, Daniel Suarez, 1-2-3 uh, in that one. Fantastic finish for Suarez, by the way, who uh, did track house racing. Whether you like Ross Testain, whether you like Daniel Suarez or Trackhouse Racing, they are fantastic. They are spectacular. I enjoy that team. But beyond that, Pocono was a good race. Like I said, it was dominated by Toyotas. Uh, Christopher Bell ended up in uh, fourth place, and they checked him as well. He is a teammate of uh, Denny and Kyle. But uh, Pocono, good race. What was a better race to me was the Indianapolis Road Course. They used to run the Brickyard which is the outside part of this. It's the one that has the bricks on it. You kiss the bricks after you win. A couple years ago, thanks to Twitter and social media, they complained about this race. They said the Brickyard is boring. What are we going to do about the Brickyard? Well, they said, all right, well, let's, let's make a track on the inside of it that looks like a go-kart track, and that's what they run. The fun part was is now this is a road course stuck in the middle of the... the the season and it is fun it is spectacular last year they had a spot where I think it was Denny Hamlin practically ran somebody completely through the grass that guy went through the grass popped back on and ended up in front of him and NASCAR said you cannot cut off part of the track you cheated some of the corners we have to black flag you and so that guy in turn uh, got into the back of Denny and made sure Denny wasn't going to win the race ever again or win the race that day. So to avoid that, what do they do this year? They said, we're going to put some access roads, some, uh, some access roads that if you get forced into areas or you can't make certain turns, in this case, turn one, 
if uh, you're so inclined. Um, you, you, there's a little access road that uh, if you have to go on there and just make sure that uh, you, you're, you're careful in entering back on when it when it joins back in. Enter Ross Chastain. <laughs> Ross Chastain. And yeah, I have to chuckle and you guys should be chuckling too. Ross Chastain, they are running hard towards the end of the race. Ross Chastain gets forced. He cannot make the turn at turn one. He takes this access road and instead of taking it easy, he just gets into it, gets into the throttle, and actually goes from fourth to first by taking a longer track, actually, and by taking this road that is uh, is not technically part of the open track, but it is a, an access road that curves and does it. He, he actually somehow made up ground in this, which was fantastic and ridiculous at the same time. To which the last couple laps, because he popped back in on Tyler Reddick, and Tyler Reddick eventually overtook him again. And there was a couple, of, and there was another person who took that same access road later on. But uh, Tyler Reddick was able to get back in front. Tyler Reddick gets the win. Fantastic for him. That is win number two. I think his second win on a road course as well. Fantastic win. Uh, then it was Ross Chastain at two, Austin Sindrick three, Harrison Burton th four, Todd Gilliland in five, and Bubba Wallace, great, in sixth. Then NASCAR, they have a couple laps to think about it. By the end of the race, they figure it out. NASCAR says our ruling, because there isn't an official ruling and we make up things as we go, kind of like the NFL, well, pretty much like the NFL, um... We're giving you and the other guy that went that way a 30-second penalty added on to your race time. So that meant that meant that Ross Chastain no longer in first. He ends up in 27th. He actually ended up next to his teammate Daniel Suarez, who got caught in some melees towards the end too. He was a he was running. Uh, it was Ross was like second. Or Ross was fourth. I think Suarez was like fifth or sixth. It was something like that. And uh, so at least they finished together, but not where they wanted to finish at all. But that bumped everybody up, which means Bubba Wallace got a top five. Uh, Gilliland, Burton, Sendrick, they all get the top fives. Reddick still gets the win. I mean, he led 38 laps. That's, that's a, a ton. But um, I, I got to stand behind Ross in this one. And uh, one of the people on that podcast I just said, uh, Matt, who was in the in the industry, in the NASCAR industry. He doesn't like Ross Chastain at all. Uh, he, he thinks he can't race and things like that. But he totally defended him, and I, I'm going to defend him as well. I agree with you, Matt. Nobody told these drivers. Nobody said you can't do it. Nobody said you can do it. Nobody, uh, they just said, here's this road in case something happens. So in order to comply with the safety of the race, Ross decided to go that way. He didn't do it to try to take a shortcut. He did it because he was forced that way. And then NASCAR has to make up rules as they go, and they decide we're going to penalize him 30 seconds. When's the last time that happened? Uh, so last week at Pocono, we, we get the number one and number two drivers DQ'd. That's the first time in 60 years that's happened. And then this year, or this week, we got a whole other ruling where they just, I don't, I'm not sure where they, I, I have an idea which orifice they may have pulled it out of, but I'm not going to say it out loud because you guys can figure it out by now when I use the word orifice. They uh, decided to just up and, and, and say, hey, 
30 second penalty on you too and you're just like whatever whatever other than that great win for Tyler Reddick but uh, once again Ross Tastain steals the headlines as he should have and that moves us to this week at Michigan which is uh, a bigger track it's a bigger I think it's oval but it's a uh, it's uh, one of the two milers one of the longer tracks up in Michigan, your defending champion is Ryan Blaney. This race will be on USA Network at 3 p.m. on Sunday. I will be watching. Hopefully, you guys are watching as well. Uh, let me make my picks. I'll make my pick because F1's not racing. Pick for this week. Give me. Oh, I'll talk about something else from from last week too that I got to get into. Let's let's do that right now. Uh, the other thing from last week's race, uh, I have I have not seen a harder hit in a long time than when Kyle Larson, who was complaining about brake problems, went full on side to side, smashed and completely missed the turn, and went into Ty Dillon, who was Austin Dillon's brother. Uh, even Ty Dillon said, "This that is the hardest I've ever been hit anywhere." And uh, here's the controversy to me, and this is the theory I'm going to make up. I'm not make up. This is the this is the one I'm going to bring to you. I didn't make. Well, I did come up with this on my own. Kyle Larson, slightly before this, gets on his radio and says, "Man, I'm standing on the brake. I'm having issues. It, something's going on." And they say, "Well, just uh, just just hang on to it. Maybe it'll come around." They uh, they say something like that. It's a NASCAR thing. Something's wrong with your car. Well, just see if it works itself out. Don't worry about coming in yet. So about half a lap later, 30 seconds later, something like that, that's when he just, it's not even a side swipe. It was side to side, but it was a hammer hit. And he goes and checks on Ty Dillon, and he tells him what's going on. And so he says, he even tells him. Or, or he's like, hey, man, something's going on with the brakes. I'm standing on the brakes. I just couldn't get it to slow down. Which, if you look at the hit, 100% looks like what it was. And the fact that he said it on the radio before tells me that he believes this. And then, and then his team comes out today. This is a Hendrick Motorsports team. They come out and they say, there's nothing wrong with the car. Everything checked out. He's making it up. Why would you do that? Why would you? He didn't hang his, his crew out to dry and saying that, that something's going on with the brakes. Because, hey, use the brakes a lot in, in road courses. So there's a chance it just wore out or got kinked up in there things like that but his team come out and say nothing wrong with the car Kyle made it up so they, they hung the dryer uh, hung the driver out to dry that's a that's a play on I mean that's a tongue twister there why would they do that well here is my theory here is my theory on this Kyle Larson is not going to be with Hendrick Motorsports after this year Part of it has to do with that him and Chase Elliott, his teammate, do not work well together nor get along that well from the looks of it. Uh, probably because Kyle is better and Chase doesn't like it. I think they're going to make this move. They're going to make. They're they're just not going to have him next year, and so they're starting to plant the seeds now, such as saying he makes up things about the car and that he lies about things about the car to not only devalue him, but to uh, plant the seeds of him getting rid of 
him being getting rid of. I, I very much think Hendrick is going to drop Kyle Larson after this, and he will be up for another team, which could play into the Kyle Busch things. With Kyle Busch not having a contract still, Joe Gibbs making all kinds of uh, statements here and there, Kyle Busch saying it is what it is, if it, if it plays out great, if it don't, great. But NASCAR full of drama, almost F1 level, almost F1 level drama for sure. But that, that's my theory. I think Kyle Larson is going to be a free agent next year, or maybe not for long. He may be signed in the next couple of weeks somewhere if somebody knows he's going to be out. But uh, that's, that's what I believe, and anybody would be lucky to have Kyle Larson who drives the wheels off things. Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, they literally will drive the wheels off of things and still finish with no wheels on their car because they're that good. But back to Michigan. Uh, Ryan Blaney is defending champ. I will say I'm just going to go Kyle Busch, but that's what Matt said on his show. So um, give me – this used to be a Ford track up in Michigan. This Ford used to be great. I would love to say Kevin Harvick because I want to see him in the playoffs. But I don't think it's going to be a Ford. I do think it's going to be a Toyota. Give me – Man, it's hard. Give me Denny Hamlin, man. If I can't, not nah, better yet. Give me Kyle Busch. Give me Kyle Busch. I'll just, I'll disagree with Matt. Give me Kyle Busch in that one. But there you go. We got into everything that I could possibly get into and more. Shout out to all you amazing people who make this show so much fun to come on and talk each and every week. This has been another great edition of that sports show. I'm Jeremy the Impact York. Go see our friends at BetOnline.net. Until then, deuces, gooses.